Does the phrase finding your purpose feel big, unattainable, and scary? It does for a lot of people. So I'm going to walk you through three reasons why purpose feels like an impossible fantasy. And then what's the truth and what do we do about it? Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in other areas of your life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm part coach, counselor, and cheerleader. So when you hear someone talk about purpose or you hear the phrase, find your purpose or find your calling, what does that do to you emotionally? What does it conjure up? Does it feel like a unicorn dancing through the clouds? An impossible goal? Sure, Ken. Yeah, send me the unicorn in the mail, and after that, I'm going to start working on being the number one draft pick in the NFL. It's just fantastical. It's not real. I think this is what a lot of people think of when they think of, uh, when they hear the phrase or when they interact with the phrase uh, calling, purpose, dream job is another one that I think for so many people just feels like an impossibility that, gosh, would be nice. But I'm not going to think about that. It's the idea of when you drive past the lottery board. Anybody out there ever drive past it? You'll see $440 million. and You sit there and you go, the, the, the chances of this happening are zero. There's no chance I'm going to win it, but gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have all that money? Is that the way we look at living your calling, finding purpose, being who you were created to be? Is that how we interact with that phrase? I think it is. I think it feels like the lottery. Boy, that would be awesome. You drive by that lottery board and you go, man, if I won, what would I do with that money? Boy, that'd be great. And then you quickly change your mind, as you should with the lottery, and say, that's ridiculous. It's, it's The chances of that happening are just so ridiculously slow, so low that I, I'm not going to focus on that. I need to change my mind and, and get off of that. It's fantasy land. Well, but that's not the case with calling and purpose. But there are three reasons why I believe collectively most people think that purpose, dream job, finding calling, that it's a fantastical reach that only a few lucky people get. There's three reasons. First reason is school squashed your wonder. The American school system squashed your wonder. You come into this world hardwired to ask questions. Toddlers don't have to be taught to ask why, Daddy, why, Mommy, how, Daddy, how, Mommy. They just ask. They're digging. I am talking to people, looking at people right here through this lens that are creatures of wonder. You were hardwired with curiosity. But when you walk through a system, kindergarten through 12, then go into higher education, Everything is about memorization. I am learning facts, concepts, but then I am tested to see how much I can remember. Did I get it right? How much did you get wrong? As opposed to the very scientific method that they teach us, why aren't we actually living that way? A hypothesis that I'm now going to go test. And I'm going to step into failure for the purposes of learning. And yet, we are conditioned in our education system not to fail. 
to become adverse to failure and then ultimately terrified of failure. So school squashes our wonder. It makes us compliant. It makes us rule followers, not pathfinders, not brave. Second reason that purpose feels like an impossible fantasy, the dream job feels it's a silly conversation, is because we choose safety, the safety of the known path. It's not actually as known as we think it is, but we believe that it's known because it's attached to a major college major. It's got benefits, health benefits, 401k. Provides enough money to buy the things we need, to buy the things we want. And so what happens is a safe job becomes a path that we feel we know and thus control. We go after degrees and jobs that are all attached to the word good. Good degree from a good college. Good job, good pay. Anybody ever heard the phrase, good is the enemy of great? Do you believe it? I do. Because I think all of those goods, good degree, good job, good pay, good benefits, I think all of those goods rob us from a great life. See, good is the enemy of great because good is not full potential. Good is comfortable. There's a little bit of of discomfort involved with good. Not a lot. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you've ever met someone, gotten to know someone, interviewed someone, talked to someone who has achieved great things, they will tell you more about the challenges, the fears, the doubts, the failures, than they will tell you about the wins, the victories, the glory. It's just a fact. So we go after as creatures who are designed with an amygdala to to avoid fear. And we aren't taught, we aren't trained, going back to point number one, in our school system, we aren't trained to deal with failure enough to where the fear of failure lessens and lessens and lessens to where we have a good brain that can logically decide what is a good decision with low risk. But any risk in a brain that is so focused on fear of failure, it's terrifying. So if all I'm worried about is failure and it's a huge fear, then any risk, even the smallest of risk, will look much larger than it actually is. The third reason why purpose feels like an impossible fantasy is we're haunted by the expectations of others. Oh, my mama wanted me to be this. My dad expects me, has always expected me to step into the family business and eventually take over for him one day. My high school blank teacher always told me I was so good in this that I should pursue this. My friends are doing this, and they say it's a really great career, and I think I'm going to go that direction. Listen, this happens to us at all different stages of life. Those voices from those that we care about those of influence, friends and family, become our voices. It never was our voice, but because of their influence in our life, 
We take someone else's voice about our future and we adopt it and it becomes our voice because it's been there so long we don't know any other voice and yet the voice of the heart is trying so hard to pierce your brain and the voice that someone else planted inside of you and you are haunted by it because every once in a while you'll hear the voice of the heart. Hey, remember me. We're supposed to go do this. And you ignore it because you're haunted by disappointing others, by not being who others want you to be. And you might live a life of regret because you weren't who you wanted to be. So coming up, how do we actually begin to see that purpose and calling is real and attainable? I'll explain next. Finding your calling, living your calling is not an unattainable, fantastical luxury. It's not for this group of people that you may look at and say, well, they figured it out, they found it, but you know, they had this going for them and this and this and this. And because of my life and my situation and my environment and blah, 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 blah. blah. And so we make excuses. It feels so far away and too painful too intimidating, too overwhelming to get after it, to discover what you were what you were created to do. What should I do with my life? The uncertainty of it is overwhelming. And so what happens is we have to make an excuse as to why we didn't go after it that we can logically accept and we create a lie that we can then accept. And the result of that lie is we just push it off as this thing that just these fortunate people did it, but that's not who I am, and this is just how it is. And so what happens is we lie to ourselves so that we can accept our own complacence. Because if I said to you, are you complacent? No, I'm not complacent. You come with all these reasons to why you've chosen to stay stuck. So I want to help us today because I think this matters. It was a best-selling book. Then the, the name of the book escapes me, but it was written by a hospice nurse in Australia. And of the top 10 regrets of the people that were dying, she's a hospice nurse. So she's spending the last days and hours with people who are facing eternity. You want to talk about getting reflective, that'll do it. When a doctor tells you, you have X amount of days to live. One of the top five regrets that the dying gave this nurse was, I did not live the life that was true to who I am, what I wanted to do. In other words, they are saying, I am regretful that I did not do what I believed I should do. I am regretful because I was not who I believe I am supposed to be. And this is what I'm talking about today. This is bone-crushing stuff. I don't want to bring us down, but if I can grab somebody today by the shoulder and speak to your value, speak to your heart and what it is crying out for you to do, then great. It's time to pull yourself out of the matrix that you just have to accept what someone has said about you, to accept 
what someone has done to you, to accept your mistakes of the past and feel as though you are on the shelf of life and not worthy to be used. And used here in this metaphor is a good thing. To pour yourself out to make a difference in the life of others. Well, how do we do it? Number one, you need awareness. You've got to get radically aware. What do you do well? You were born in this life with talent. These are tools that can be sharpened, can be added to, to power tools that will allow you to do good work. What are you good at? Talent. What do you love to do? What lights your heart up when you think about it? You can't wait to do it and you engage in it. Time seems to stand still. This is what I call passion. You will sacrifice in order to be able to do this type of work. And then third, what results matter to you? All work creates results. What results do you want to produce in this world to say, I am doing this. for I'm helping people get out of debt and win in their finances. I'm helping people overcome substance abuse. I'm helping people spiritually. I'm helping people's marriages. I'm helping people raise their kids well. I'm helping people overcome disease. I'm helping people get healthy physically. What is it? What is that result you want to produce? That's awareness. Who are you? What are you good at? What do you love to do? What results matter deeply to you? Now, that's design. That's how you're wired. Talent, passion, mission are those three wires that come together to make you uniquely you. But then there's your experience. Design, I just explained, but what about your experience? What's happened to you in life? What have been the wins, the losses? What shaped you? What breaks your heart? What fires your heart up? Yeah, that's, a part, that's a part of your experience, the environment you grew up in, what's happened to you in life. You look at design, and you look at experience, and you look at environment, and now you begin to see, this is who I am. This is me is the song, the anthem of the great movie, The Greatest Showman, The Bearded Lady. This is me. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is you. And you got to know who you are. And once you find out who you are, this is the awareness. Now that leads to the second step you've got to take, which is acceptance. It's not enough to just be aware of how you are uniquely built and your unique journey. You now have to accept that and go, this is me, and I'm okay with it. And I know there's a story for me to tell. This is what I'm good at. This is what I suck at. <laughs> this is what I love to do. This is what I hate to do. This is what I care deeply about. I don't care about this. This is the environment I grew up in, and this is how it shaped me. This is, this is what happened to me many years ago, and this is what I've had to overcome. All of that together, that's you. And I've got to be aware of it, yes, but I must accept it. I, I can't just see it. i got to believe that there's a story to tell based on who I am. There's somebody out there who has a similar experience as me. I may have overcome something that they're about ready to go through or they're in the middle of, and I can step in. See, your uniqueness allows you to find your greatness. So I've got to believe it, that there's a story to tell. 
I didn't ask this to happen to me. I didn't design me, but this is me. And now I can walk fully in confidence because I'm so clear. I see me and I believe that there's something I'm supposed to do with me. So accept that. And then finally, you got to act. Awareness, acceptance, action. So get get going. Get after it. Get after it. You know who you are. You know why you are that way. You know what you want to do, where you want to do it. Go do it. Now, along this path of acceptance, you begin to say, okay, this is who I am, and so this is why I care deeply about these certain issues. This is why I'm good at doing this type of work. This is why I love this type of work. And, and so I, I get that and I go, okay, that, so now i got to do something with it, and I see the mountain that I'm supposed to climb. I'm going to go climb it. And I'm not going to worry about failure. I'm going to fail forward every time. I'm going to learn something. My friend John Maxwell wrote a book, Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Learn. Instead of lose, he said learn. What a beautiful little switch he did there. If we begin to see our failures as opportunities to learn, opportunities to grow, opportunities to take an experience and get something good out of it and move through it, it's going to change the game. So you got to get going. In my own journey, I knew, I absolutely, I got to a point where I was like, I, I'm supposed to go into broadcasting, I'm supposed to be on a mic, I'm supposed to be speaking outwardly, and I know I'm supposed to do it in a way that 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 equips people, that encourages people. How in the world do I get there? I didn't know. But I was aware. I accepted that that was the calling on my life. But then I had to act. But I didn't have a degree. I was in my early 30s. I had to act. What did I do? I started meeting with people in the broadcasting industry, producers, talent. Started learning everything I could learn. Started studying people that I admired. Try to pick up something from them. I didn't even know how I was going to use the skill I was attaining, but I just knew I had to learn and I had to do. I signed up for a broadcasting class with a bunch of 20-year-olds. I was the old man in the group. I learned everything. Audio editing, working on a mic, video editing, how to write a news story, how to do play-by-play in sports. What did I do? I just acted. And I kept acting and kept pursuing doors. Some didn't open, some did, and eventually I ended up here. You gotta act once you're aware and you accept. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means that you are needed, you're very valuable. But that also means that you need to step into that role. You must do it. There's a duty here because somebody out there needs you to be you. Now, this is the premise of, of, of my show. Uh, this is the foundation of the Get Clear assessment. I wanted to create a tool that would allow people to get the answers to those questions of what do I do best? What do I love to do? What work do I enjoy? And then what results motivate me? And, and how does that steer me? What's my direction? If I can get awareness as to options and then pick a direction, man, I'm ahead of the game and you are. You can discover your calling and you can actually do it in your work, get paid well and be treated well. The Get Clear Assessment helps you. We ask the questions. You just got to be honest with yourself. 
and you get a purpose statement that's filled with your top talents, the top types of work you love to do that's passion, and then this motivational driver. What really drives me to get out of bed in the morning? You know that information. It's a game changer. Clarity leads to confidence, and confidence leads to courage. The assessment is called the Get Clear Assessment. You can get it at kencoleman.com slash assessment, kencoleman.com slash assessment. Let's go to Casey now, who joins us for a coaching session in Atlanta. Casey, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Hey, I'm 23. I just graduated college uh, one year ago, and I took a job uh, sort of on impulse right after college and not really thinking you know, long-term about how it doesn't align with what I want to do with my career. So I know at least I just now crossed over one year at that job, and it's I just know that it's not a company I want to be with. Um, I mean, it is a soul-sucking job. I think you said it a couple weeks ago that um, – on Sunday night, I feel my soul leave my body. Oh, man, and, uh, I'm sorry. I've been there, man. So, I've been there. Yeah, so I got a degree in entrepreneurship and a degree in financial planning, and okay. then I also have my private pilot's license. Okay. Oh, that and, tells me something. That tells me something, Casey. <laughs> what is it that you yeah. want to do, Casey? Just tell me. No excuses, no explanation. What is it that you want to do if I could just make it happen today? Well, I'm not sure. I want to figure out which one really aligns with my purpose. I've taken the get clear assessment and, um, you know, I, I'm not sure which one really aligns with this. So I was hoping you could help me. All right. Uh, All right. Dissect this. I'm going to ask you the same question because you said, which one that implies there's a couple you're thinking about a couple directions that you feel are pretty good, but you just want to make the right decision, right? Yeah, I don't want to both see both financial planning and aviation are both a big commitment as far as and financial planning. Sure. You have a large commitment to your clients in yeah. aviation. It's a large commitment and financial commitment to the training. Yeah. I don't want to get a few years down the road and then end up stuck in that after, you know, yeah. making all of that. Uh, well, there's where I'm going to challenge. There's where I'm going to challenge you. If you got a few day, few years down the road in either one of these things, you did the, you've, you paid cash, you've sacrificed. You hustled, you were diligent because it takes time to save up the money to pay for this stuff. It's expensive to get trained in aviation, very expensive. Um, but you got in it, you didn't have any debt, so there's no regret, and you're doing it, and all of a sudden you go, you know what? I like flying, but don't want to do it anymore. I want to go into financial planning. You haven't wasted any time or money, in my opinion. Because, yeah. because you can pivot and and you, you have no regrets. I don't think that scenario is going to happen. I really don't. Because in, in, one, in one sense, you could do both and. But I think this right. decision is this decision is crippling you and it shouldn't cripple you. Because here's the deal. The aviation training is going to cost way more than the financial training. You knew know right. this. You know this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I've, you so, know, I, the financial part of it, I can, I have that part handled. I can cover that. Um, here's the deal. I already know what it is you really want to do, and you're just so. It's the thing I can't ignore. So why don't um, you just tell us? I just don't want to be the guy to say it. I got an audience member out here who's already predicted it. He's sitting out there watching the show today, and he knows what you want to do. 
So why don't you just go ahead and tell him so that he feels really good about himself? What is that thing, the one that's higher up the list than than the other? Come on, go ahead and say it. Well, it's flying. I mean, since I was 17, that's when I first did my first discovery flight. And, you know, it's like that's the thing I can't ignore, and I keep coming back to it. My and guy, my guy in the lobby I, is pointing at himself going, I called it. Because what you couldn't see, Casey, <laughs> is as soon as he started hearing you talk, he looked at me through the glass and he did those big bird wings and he went, it's flying. Now, this is a guy, I've never met him before in my life. I don't know his name. He's just sitting out there watching the show. He's not a trained professional. But the reason he figured it out is he could tell in your voice. He's a pilot. Oh, he could hear it. He could. He knows he's a pilot. I didn't even know this. He's talking to me. We're just talking to each other through the glass right now, Casey. Like you're not even on the yeah. show. This is fantastic. But but let me tell you why I'm stopping to to. And I, I'm I'm not trying to embarrass our friend. He's right. But he heard it. He could hear it. He heard it on you. It it was obvious. And so you got to honor that, my friend. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, and. You know, and to, to your point that you made recently uh, on the last segment about having the freedom and flexibility, those are two things that I value quite a bit. Right. And, you know, I wonder, you know, between the two of those, which one I would have. But I really liked what you said about, you know, let's say I go and fly and five years down the road decide I don't want to do that. You know, financial planning, I think, would still be there. It's Of, of course it's there. And it's a fraction of the time and cost to get trained. The big boy is the is the flying. Yeah. But But why couldn't you do both? I mean, what if you get up in the skies and you got a good gig, but you got a little downtime or whatever, or you just had this itch and you realize, you know what, I just want to help serve some people that are friends of friends or friends of my family or my family yeah. members. And I do this more of a ministry or a heart thing, but man, I love being up in the clouds. Well, see, that's the part I've loved in my current office you go. job and my there you cubicle go. job. I've helped. I work with a bunch of engineers and they... They're great at what they do in engineering, but financially, they they're not great. Right. So here's the they're deal. They're horrible. So, Casey, you called today at the start of this call, and you're thinking, Ken's going to help me pick at either or, and I think it's a both and. Okay. You do All this right. too? So, This guy talking yeah, to me in the, the lobby man. is also a financial planner. Man, I can't. I, I, number. I know. This is fantastic. Now, here's the deal. So do you know what it's going to cost to get qualified to fly? Yeah, so it's about um, it's going to be about a sixty thousand dollar, about between sixty and seventy thousand. Because I've already got my private out of the way, and there's several licenses you have to get. And what's um, the uh, progress? What's the be all end all in the air? Where do you want to end up? Uh, flying for either a corporate company or like one of your major legacy airlines, like FedEx or Delta, no. you know, something like that. Let me tell you something. You have those. I'm reading articles almost on a weekly basis about the absolute panic and fear in the airline industry because they don't have new talent coming in. And if I were you, my friend, I would push and wave your hand, raise your hand. Uh, you might be surprised what they may be willing to do. I'm not privy to uh, are they willing to uh, help out in any way with cost, but I would be looking into that if I were you right now because there's, there's rumblings of stuff where they're going to start – uh, lessening the amount of training going on, and that freaks people out. I don't want to get on a plane with somebody that hasn't done all the hours. So, But I think they're going to start making it more enticing for people to get into the industry 
and they may already be doing it, is my point. I'm not up to date on that. I'm not in the industry. But if I were you, if I was Casey right now, I'd be kicking the tires of all the major airlines going, hey, this is where I'm at now. This is where I want to be. Here's what I got to do. Do you got a program? Will you pay? Will you reimburse? I'd just be looking. Yeah, it takes about, uh, once you get your commercial license, you go and flight instruct. It takes about three, around around three years to get to get there. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the commitment level. Yeah, but, I mean, again, uh, if you're willing to wait as long as it takes, you'll get there. See, everybody says, Ken, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And then I like to say, are you willing to wait as long as it takes? And that starts to get them to go, well, I mean, how long is, you know. And, it, you know, look, it's three years. But what's on yeah, the other side not, of three it's years? It's not that long. Yeah. It's not that long. It's not that long. And so, Casey, I, I hope you got confirmation. You do not need my permission, but I hope you got your confirmation that you were supposed to fly in the friendly skies. Maybe I'll be on a plane with you one day. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.